Welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. Well, hello, how we doing? Yes, hello to those here under the tent, under the tree, and the cars, on the cars, online. We're everywhere today. Oh my goodness. So everyone's doing okay? Yes? Well, 2020's been a doozy, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been a little crazy, but I have the opportunity today to bring a word um, that's been a word that God's doing in me. And I think that's the best message to speak is the one that God is doing in me personally, in us personally. And when Anthony asked me to speak today, I was kind of like, I don't know. I'm so frustrated with everything happening in the world right now. I'm so mad. I'm confused. I'm torn and blah, blah, blah. And then God's like, great, exactly where I want you to be so you can get on your knees and say, help me, Jesus. Right? Sometimes we think we have to have it all figured out in order to be a light to somebody. But Jesus just says, hey, when you don't know, I know. When you don't know where to turn, you can turn to me. And so today, this message, we're continuing our series, Essential. And this message really is going to be a message of hope because I know some people are feeling and helpless and confused and frustrated. And I believe it's fair in an age, hi everybody underneath there, we live in an age of confusion. I don't know if anyone else feels the same way or maybe I'm the only one, but I feel like we're living in an age of anxiety. Everything at our finger pit, print, prints, prints, finger pits, you know, <laughs> fingertips. We have everything available to us through social media and news. We're hearing news from all over the world, and, and it fills us with anxiety, and it's confusing, and it's frustrating. And I've, I've just felt so many ways over the last three, almost four months. We're in an age of disagreement, right? We're in an age of division like never before. But with all of that, and it sounds so negative, and, and essentially it is, but I want to bring a message of hope today. Because the reality is we can look all around us. We can look at the world and the state of our world, the state of our country. We could just start with the state of our city, the state of our home. And we could be like, what is going on? But I want to tell you that's where Jesus stands in. And he says, there is hope because I am here. And so this message will be a message of hope, but also a message of action. Because I find that too often we hope for hope, but we're actually called to live out that hope because hope lives in us. And so we can't just hope for hope. We have to actually live out that hope. Hope needs to be active. And so today I want to paint a picture of what it looks like to have kingdom culture versus the culture we live in today, American culture or whatever, United States culture, whatever culture you're from, a lot of times we think that culture is just the way it needs to be and we need to just follow what culture says and does, but that's not kingdom culture. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And, and if you're like me with everything that's been going on, I found that I can fall into three different categories. 
The first one is to ignore what's going on because it's just, I can't anymore. Has anyone felt that way? You're like, you know what, I'm done, I'm over it. You know what, I'm gonna get into a fetal position and just fall asleep. <laughs> you know, I've had moments of that. And then of course the Holy Spirit's like, uh, wake up, hello, time to pray or time to go and be the light somewhere. And sometimes it gets discouraging because we think there's nothing we can do. We're like, well, it's just gonna keep getting worse. I don't know if you felt that way. Or maybe we just get angry and we start picking fights with people. So that's what I want to talk a little bit about today. But why don't we pray? I know we've prayed a lot already, but I love it's important that we invite the Holy Spirit in this moment to speak to each of our hearts. No matter where you sit in this journey, no matter where your spirit may be, wherever, where your emotions may be in this moment. But I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you in a way that you can leave here today with an action step of how you can be hope into this world where so much right now seems to be like crazy. <laughs> Father, we welcome you. And we say thank you for the opportunity once again to gather. We don't take it for granted anymore. We thank you, Father, for your presence. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you that we know you are making pathways in the wilderness. Right now it may seem chaotic, but we thank you, God. You are making pathways. We thank you. You are doing something new. We thank you. You are shaking old mindsets. We thank you. You are breaking things off, and you are setting people free. I thank you for hope to be instilled today, for joy to be returned today, for peace to be ignited in hearts today day. I pray that you would just speak through me, that anything in my agenda would be out of the way. And Spirit of God, would you just move? In Jesus' name, you love your people so much. And I pray that they would just hear a word from heaven for their hearts and their families today. In Jesus' name, and the church alive said, amen. amen. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. Do you guys have some shade? Is there cloud out there for you guys? Sometimes. Pray for the cloud, guys. Pray for the cloud. You know, it is biblical. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. It says, you are the salt of the earth. He's talking, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, to his followers. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus calls you and me, his disciples, to be salt of the earth and light of the world. You can be a light today in someone's darkness. There's a lot of darkness all around us right now between COVID, all that's been happening with racial tension and all the different division and disagreements, all the stuff that's happening. It just seems like darkness is all around us. But the amazing thing is if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, it's all right, you have an invitation in a few moments that you can be. The hope of the world lives in you. And the hope of the world lives in you. And it's not just a cool thing to say, ah, the hope of the world lives in me. It's actually a responsibility that we have. Wow. 
that in the midst of darkness, we have the hope, we have the light of God, so that we can be the light of the world in the midst of all the madness. We can be the salt of the earth to bring about some flavor in the midst of bitterness and negativity. What a joy, what a hope, what a peace that we have knowing that Jesus, the greatest change agent to ever walk and still live today, living inside of us so that we can be the hands and feet to change the world. There's a passage of scripture in the book of Acts where the apostles started going hard and bringing the truth, the gospel of Jesus to all the cities that they were stepping into. And all these people were like, who are these men who are changing the world upside down? They were men and women who had an encounter with the hope, the peace, the freedom, the power of the living God. And when you have the hope, the peace, the freedom of the living God, Jesus Christ himself, alive and awake in you, it's not just attending on a Sunday, it's being the church, that you can actually breathe that hope to other people. You can be that light when it's dark. You can bring that flavor when it's bitter. You can bring hope in the midst of hopelessness and life in the midst of loss. To be sought in light of the world, it's more than just a calling. It's a responsibility of Christ's followers. And we just, for a few moments, I want to ask a couple of questions because I love how the Bible always takes us back to evaluate ourselves, examine ourselves, not to shame you, not to make you feel better. Oh, I'm not a good enough Christian. No, but just to help you realign again. God is not about shaming us. He's about realigning us so that we can continue walking out the very thing that he died to give us, his freedom, salvation, grace. And so some of the questions I want to ask us today in light of what's going on in the world and, and how to be sought in light is what are we saying? What are we saying to one another? What are we saying on social media? <laughs> what are we saying and what is it producing? Are we bringing about unity or are we spitting forth more disunity? Are we being divisive? Are we being humble or prideful with our projection of information? Are we bringing life with our words or death? Are we growing in compassion or are we growing in apathy? Are we looking to Jesus for answers or are we following the direction of culture? To be salt of the earth and light of the world, we need to carry kingdom culture. And the only way to carry kingdom culture is to know the difference between what today's culture says and what the word of God says is kingdom culture. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that because the culture of this day, there's great things, but there's a lot of things that is not kingdom culture. And if we go along with everything that culture says yes to, most of the time, not every time, it'll be counter kingdom culture culture. You are a citizen of heaven. Can I encourage you with that? You are a citizen of heaven. His word tells us in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Check out 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. 
You are citizens of heaven. You are a royal generation, a, cho a chosen people. And we don't say that so that we can gloat. I have seen Christians say that, oh, I'm a citizen of heaven with like attitude, but arrogance. You could be proud, right, to be a son and daughter, and we should not be ashamed of the gospel. It is the truth that will set people free. We should wear it loud and proud, but not arrogantly, not self-righteously. The Bible tells us that our faith should be attractive to others so that we can become the very bridge that Jesus became to mankind. We are citizens of heaven. It's just not for favor. It is also for responsibility so that we can be that salt and light, so that we can be love and say things in love, say the truth in love. I mean, is there a word for today? Say the truth in love. Too many people say, well, it's the truth. I'm out. Yeah, no, you can say the truth, but with love, with grace. It's not like, oh, do we have to be silent about everything? No, you can just use wisdom. We need the leading of the Holy Spirit to know how to speak, when to speak. His word tells us to be slow to anger, slow to speak, but quick to listen. And too often we're just too committed to our own opinions, our own perspective, our own rights, that we forget the greater good, which is to be love, grace, hope, salt, and light to the world. And that's what we need more of in this moment. We become a bridge that will lead people from worldly culture over to kingdom culture when we know the difference. And so today I want to talk about three quick ones because I want to get you out of the sun. Okay? Three quick examples of what today's culture versus kingdom culture looks like. Now, I'm not dogging on all culture, okay, of all things. There's beautiful things in all of our, all, uh, our cultures. It's so hot up here. I'm Portuguese, and so I love certain things about my culture. Anthony's Australian. Let me tell you, he loves his culture. In America, we have certain things we love about our culture, so I'm not dogging the culture from where we came from. But make sure your identity is in Christ because we've become citizens of heaven. And so while you can celebrate your culture, don't allow what America, what our nation has made normal to become your normal. What kingdom calls normal is what we should consider normal. So number one, in today's culture, it's always about gratifying yourself. In kingdom culture, it will always be about glorifying God. And we have it twisted. So often we think that we come to God and then we get a Santa Claus, that God becomes our Santa Claus. But we were not created so that we can have a Santa Claus. We were created for worship, to glorify God. God was not created for us. We were created for God, for worship. But in today's culture, I'll repeat uh, number one again, it's always about gratifying yourself, but in kingdom culture, it will always be about glorifying God. Number two, in today's culture, it's expected we love our friends, which is great, right? We love our friends. We love our families, right? But in kingdom culture, it's expected we love our enemies. And that's hard. That is so hard because the moment someone does something against us, does this mean you have to be best friend with your enemy? Does this mean you have to? No, it just means that when you think of that person, when that person comes to your mind, you're not hoping bad for them, right? It means you pray for them. The moment that you feel set free from having that grudge, we live with offenses and grudges for years. But he didn't just say, God didn't just say, love your neighbor. He also said, love your enemy. And that is challenging. Numerous months ago, I had to deal with something similar to this where I, I had to have a conversation with someone who I found out was just, 
you know, gossiping a bit and, and being dishonest about certain things. And I, I, I'm very forthcoming. If I know something, I'm going to go straight to the source because I don't do the gossip thing. I like to go straight to the source and deal with it because that's biblical. And that's the way to go. If you have something against someone, you go to them and you reconcile. But I remember that the whole time that I was trying to navigate this situation, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, but you have to love her. I'm like, I know, but how? How do you love someone you don't trust? How do you love someone that has hurt you time and time again? How do you love someone? And God is not saying go and like go down the shore with them every weekend. No, he's not saying that. He's not saying go be BFFs with them. No, he's just saying don't have hatred or anger or what. Don't cancel them in essence. Don't, don't like just like, oh. But the more you pray with them, and I remember calling my friend and I'm saying, God is telling me to love this person, but I don't want to. And I was just being real. I think I could be real. I love my church because I could just be so super honest and ugly with you guys. And you guys still love me. It's all good. And I just said to her, I said, how do you love someone you don't trust? And she looked at me and she said, Miriam, God doesn't just tell us to love those people that we trust. He tells us to love those people who are considered enemies as well. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So then I started asking the Holy Spirit, how do you love an enemy? And he started giving me guidance on how to do that. He's like, you start asking that you can see them through the lens of grace like he sees them. God starts to see those who are broken, those who have failed us, those who have hurt us. I mean, think of how many times we failed God and God still looks at us and sees the righteousness of his son on us. He still looks at us and has grace towards us and he asks us to do the same. It doesn't mean, again, that you have to like go and go skipping down the park together. It just means that in your heart you are free from offense. It just means that in your heart you are free from that grudge and that is so important. I remember countless times, and still today countless times, watching things on the news, actually good news for once, where someone in the court of law, a family member, gets up and says to the defendant, he says, I just want to let you know, and, and a lot of times it's been a drunk driver kills a family member or just different scenarios that we see. And I remember seeing countless times now and it's often been people of faith, which is pretty cool because they say that their faith has taught them to forgive. And they get up and they say to the person that's sitting in the defendant's seat who's guilty, and they say to this person, I just want to let you know, even though what I'm about to do is not going to bring back my loved one, I forgive you. I forgive you. And then the defendant just starts crying. And he's like, I forgive you. And then people, like even reporters at the end, why would you say you forgive someone who took away your family member, who did this to you? They said, because I don't want that person to continue ruining my life by taking away the peace that Jesus Christ came to give me. I won't allow unforgiveness to keep the pain alive. It doesn't mean it, it doesn't bring back, right, what you lost, but it makes you keep going forward it keeps you moving forward it keeps that very thing from keeping you a prisoner see the bible tells us that unforgiveness throws us in the prison of tormentors jesus himself said that number three in today's culture it's expected we cancel who we disagree with but in kingdom culture it's expected and i mentioned this before we are quick to listen slow to speak and slow to anger. That's James chapter 1, 19. There's this huge thing going on right now with cancel culture. 
You cancel anyone that is standing differently from what you agree with. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have, you know, your convictions. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, unfollow people who are stealing your peace. I'm not saying any of that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about friends and family members, bodies, body of Christ. I have seen such sad days where people are so angry at each other mostly because of politics, mostly because of what's happening with, you know, the racial tension in our nation right now, people disagreeing, people being divided, and family members canceling each other out. Friends who've been friends their whole lives canceling each other out because they're more committed to being right than to being the light. More committed to being right than being that bridge of reconciliation. You don't have to agree with everything to walk on the same path, but you have to have honor and you have to have wisdom. I love what Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church in California says. It's an amazing quote, listen closely. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Hear that again. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. I feel like that quote is so good. I'm going to read it one more time. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. You know, too many Christians in the name of not compromising convictions have adopted a, a behavior that cancels compassion, that cancels empathy, that cancels love, essentially. They put on arrogance or self-righteousness, a Pharisee spirit, but I love what the Word of God shows us in Ephesians in the book of chapter 4 and actually not the book in the chapter 4 <laughs> and I want you guys to read this later today because it's very long so I don't want to read the whole thing because I don't want you guys to melt because that would be sad it says like this in chapter 4 verses 1 therefore I a prisoner for serving the Lord this is Paul speaking while he was in house arrest for preaching the gospel to the Gentiles I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling and today we learned what that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world right ambassadors for christ be live a life worthy of your calling he's telling the church at ephesus for you have been called by god always be humble underline that tattoo that if you think that's okay and gentle always be humble and gentle be patient with each other man i, I need that for me be patient with each other and listen to the next part of the scripture making allowance for each other's faults. Man, we forget that sometimes, right? When our emotions are at play, when our opinions are at play, we forget this part. Be humble, be gentle, be patient, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now hear this, make every effort. That means every effort, not just one piece of effort, not just a quarter effort, not just half an effort. No, he said make every effort. Every effort you can find, make it to keep yourselves united. Whatever you need to do, stay united, he's saying, in the spirit. Again, it's not compromising convictions. 
It's not turning your back on what the word of God says. It says be united in love, in humility, in gentleness. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. One God and Father of all. Every color, every heritage, every background. We are all made in the image of God. All. Who is over all, in all, and living through all. And there's so much more in this chapter. You've got to read it. I love verse 31, though, and 32 at the end. Get rid of all bitterness. Man, that is a word for America today rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind. There's that word again. We look at kindness as a weak thing, but I find kindness as a strong thing because it takes a lot of self-control to be kind when you don't want to be. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted. Again, it sounds like a weak word, but it's a strong word. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It's not necessarily our church, but as I think about our society right now, I just think, man, we've got to stop fighting. We've got to stop arguing. We've got to stop being more concerned about being right and be more concerned about being a light, a hope, a, 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 a love to people who don't know Jesus. We've got to be compassionate about this message of Jesus because, again, it's not just attending church on a Sunday, which we couldn't for the last three months, but whatever, you know online platform who's been blessed by that thank god for our production teams and all the people working let me just say our production team arrives at 4 a.m to set up for us our worship team we are so blessed you guys have no idea how awesome of a church we have the message of jesus christ is the one that will literally transform us from the inside out when do you know you've had an encounter with Jesus? When you look back and you see a life change. When do you know you've had an encounter with the Holy Ghost? It's when the moment you look in the mirror, you're like, yo, I changed. I'm nicer. I'm stronger. I can say no to the things that will tear me down. I can be kind to my wife when I don't want to. I'm faithful when I used to be a player. That's when you know, and that's what we have, and that's what we carry. We carry the hope of the world. We carry Jesus. We carry his message. We are kingdom culture carriers. And if we can just be that bridge so that people can go from the world to kingdom, then people will have a radical transformation, and love will just be at the surface and flowing out, and there will be no room for hate. There will be no room for hate and division. And we could disagree because it's okay. We're humans. We're going to disagree. We're going to have opinions. There's almost 1,500 people in this church. 1,500 opinions. It's incredible to hear them all. <laughs> Whew. You should do this. You should do that. You shouldn't do this. You should say this. You shouldn't say this. I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Holy Spirit, what do you say? <laughs> Let's be the salt of the earth by removing bitterness. 
Let's be the light of the world by bringing hope into dark situations. If you know someone who's going through a hopeless situation, let them know, guess what? This is not the end. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. Guess what? God changed my life. He can change your life. Guess what? I know you're feeling like things are dark right now. I want to let you know that Jesus is the light and we cannot be ashamed of the gospel because it is the gospel that will change the world. I think too many people are just uncomfortable with the message of the gospel because if you say Jesus, people get offended. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let them hear it because he's the only one. It's not a million ways to Jesus or to God, to the kingdom. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Because here's what I think. Some people can be like, oh, Jesus was a nice guy, or he was a good teacher, or he was a good prophet. He was God. And if you just look at him as a nice prophet, or if you just look at him as a nice teacher, you forget the sovereignty of God was on him. And when he lets people worship him, that means, hey, I'm God. And he says, I am God. I was there in the beginning. And when he says, I'm the way, he's not being arrogant. He's providing the prescription to sin. You know, when we go to the doctor's office and he gives us the only medication that will heal us, we don't say, doctor, you're so arrogant. I can't believe you're only giving me one way to heal me. And too many people think that about the gospel. Well, Christians are so arrogant. They think that Jesus is the only way. That's not arrogant. It's the solution to a life without hope. It is the solution to a life that is broken in chaos. It's not arrogant. It's hope. It's life. It's healing. It's freedom. It's Jesus. He is the bridge. He is the bridge. I've heard people say that before. Well, you know, that's a little bit arrogant to think it's only Christians. I'm like, no, honey. I'm trying to help you out here. What's your part today? In this age of confusion and division and disagreements, this is a moment for you to reflect right now. Umbrella, please don't break. What's your part today in this age of confusion? Seriously. Maybe you've been discouraged by all the fighting that's happening, like on social media, in your family, or maybe you've been afraid because of COVID, and, and there's just been so much all around you that you became one of those three people I spoke about earlier. You're just ignoring it now. You're hiding now. You're, you know, you're angry now. So you're fighting with everybody or I don't know what part you may be and maybe you're in a great place. I think a lot of us are now in a great place, right? But we all have a part to be this salt and light. I think we have a part where we should evaluate ourselves. Are we more concerned about being right than being the lights. When was the last time you've offered hope to someone? And not just on a social media feed, not just on an Instagram live, right? Not just on a, as I'm speaking for myself, when was the last time you brought hope to a neighbor? When was the last time you brought hope to a coworker? We get so used to our faith that we forget others are not in the same boat as us. I wanna finish with this verse. It's the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. And I just want to focus on the first two, verse 9 and verse 10 from Matthew chapter 6. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe we can substitute that part, earth, 
And you can put your family name in there or your town or your state. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here in New Jersey as it is in heaven, here in Lynnhurst, here in Rutherford, here in North Arlington, Belleville, Nutley, Passaic, Patterson, wherever you're coming from, wherever you're watching. I know lots of you from Florida, all around the country actually, all across, I mean, in the world too, we know people from Europe who are watching in Brazil. I just wanna let you know, you can pray that. Cause it's saying here, pray that his will will be done, which means that if we don't, his will may not be done. He uses us as agents of change through prayer. So your, your kingdom come, your will be done in my house and the Fleming residence as it is in heaven. At Church Alive as it is in heaven. In my workplace as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, not mine, not my will, your kingdom come. Here in Lyndhurst, in this church, Father, as it is in heaven, in America, as it is in heaven. Father, we just commit this time to you and we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you call us light and salt and, and that's such a blessing to have that favor on our lives, but we thank you that it's also a responsibility that we are to have hope, but to be hope as well. We thank you that we get to have it and we get to be it to other people. I thank you that you call us to be the very bridge that brings people from one place of darkness into the place of light. You know, all across this, I was gonna say room, parking lot, online, under the tree, in cars, on cars, under the shade there. I wanna make a simple invitation before I close and say, hey, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you've been living your own culture, your own way, according to your own flesh, I wanna invite you into an amazing adventure. I'm not gonna say it's a perfect adventure in the sense of you will have pain, you will have disappointment. But what I love about this invitation is that you won't go through it alone. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he invites you and me. He invites all of us to say yes to this invitation of hope, grace, freedom, mercy, forgiveness, salvation. So all across this parking lot, all the way to the very back there. If you've never said yes to placing your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we all want him to be Savior, but the Lord part sometimes tricks us. We're like, oh, he has to be Lord of all of my life. He wants to be Lord. He gets to be Lord. We get to have him as Lord of our life. So if that's you, if you would just bow your head for a moment and you just say, hey, that's me, under the tree here, under the tents there, right here, all across the slot and online. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand just so I could see it, that you say, hey, I'm placing my faith in Jesus today. If that's you right now, would you lift your hand for a moment? It's awesome, I see those hands there. That's awesome. If you're online right now, watch, and you can text CONNECT7, the number seven, to 97,000. And you'll just fill out a really quick form, I think three or four questions, and we'll send you a gift this Following Jesus book. And if you're here today, those of you who raised your hand, you can pick up this gift right at our tent over there, our Next Steps tent. You can get prayer there. You can get free Italian ice for everybody after service. But why don't you pray with me, especially those who raised your hand, but all of us, why don't we pray together? It's a simple prayer inviting Jesus to come in your heart and forgive your sins, amen? Dear God, thank you for the gift of your son's life. I thank you that today 
I can place my faith in him. Today, I ask for forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Come on, what a word. Come on, give her a hand. That was amazing, babe. Why don't we stand at your feet? Have you made a decision for Christ? Make sure you get one of our Following Jesus books. And also, if you didn't have a chance to give um, online today, you can go to one of these tents and they'll, they'll help you just to, oh, a great way to, to put God first. Well, let me pray for you as we close. Father, I thank you for every life, every man, every woman, every family represented, those watching online. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for amazing weather. Thank you that the, the rain held off. But I bless your people now. Let your life, strength, and health flow over them in new ways. Lord, in Jesus' name, come on, Church Alive said. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand one more time. Great to see you. Have an amazing day.